Grace and mercy and peace are yours from our living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 20. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her, and in the same way the seven died leaving no children. Finally the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife shall she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all are alive. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever tried to debate God? Things that you doubt and maybe even have struggled believing and and question God on these things and kind of put it back in his face and prove it, God. Right? You try to debate God, and it's real easy for us because he doesn't talk back. <laughs> it's real easy to throw those questions out at him. Real easy to make those accusations at, towards him. You know, you think by this time, the teachers of the law would have learned it's not real smart to debate Jesus. When these Sadducees, who are some of the religious leaders of that time, come to Jesus with this question, this is actually in Holy Week. He's already entered into Jerusalem. In just a couple of days, he's going to go to the cross. So he's been doing ministry for three years, and and for three years, these teachers of the law, the Sadducees, and, and maybe you know better, the Pharisees, they've been coming, they've been trying to debate with Jesus and trap him and trick him and, and trying to get discredit him in front of the people. But so far, they have not been able to do so. But that's what the Sadducees try to do here. They try to debate Jesus. They try to trap him and trick him. They're, they're not wanting to learn from him. That's what it sounds like. But Jesus knows their intentions. Jesus knows what they're getting at here, of course. And so they come with this this really foolish question. Uh, Something that would never happen. It's kind of like someone who asks the questions like, well, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Why does it matter? It's one of those kinds of questions. It's just not, not even realistic. These Sadducees come to him, And they appeal to the law of Moses, which was true in the the Old Testament. There was what's called the Leverite law, and lever means brother-in-law from Hebrew, that if a man died before he could have offspring with his wife, then that woman was to marry his younger brother so that 
could have offspring through that family. But they come up with this ridiculous situation where there's seven brothers, and they all die, and then she dies, and then she dies childless, and whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? Which of these seven? It's a foolish question. They're trying to give their questions some, some credence by quoting Moses. They really are trying to discredit Jesus, but, but just as much they're trying to make the resurrection look foolish too. Because these Sadducees, what you need to know about them is they don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They believe just in this life. This was it. When you died, you died and you were done. That was all. They didn't believe in this spiritual life. It was just this life. In addition to that, they, they don't, since they don't believe anything spiritual, they didn't believe in angels, anything spiritual at all like that. And it's good to have the background to know that they did believe that the scriptures were God's word, but only the first five books, only the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The rest, those are just writings of men. That's the background of the Sadducees who are coming to him and, and challenging Jesus on this whole issue of the resurrection. And Jesus, just as he always does, in such a kind and gentle way, just destroys them with his answer. He says to them that, well, let's talk about the marriage thing first. Marriage is an institution that God has given, but it's just for this life. In the life to come, there, is, there isn't marriage. There isn't families, right? Because he says that we are all children of God. We are all the family of God. And then he addresses, because he knows their, their, their views on angels, he says that you're going to be like the angels. Right? Kind of sticking it to him on that teaching. And then, to prove his point about all of this, he goes to the book of Moses. He goes to the second book of the Bible, Exodus, and he says, well, even Moses, and you guys would agree with this, right? Because you, you like Moses. He says that God is the God of the living. He talks about being the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those forefathers who died, but obviously now they're alive. Just destroys them with their answer. And it's not in our lesson. It comes right after in verse 39. It says that no one dared ask him any more questions. <laughs> they were done for the day. They were done for the week, actually. Jesus discredits his questions while they are trying to discredit him. What this lesson is about for us today is not just how masterfully Jesus could handle hard questions. It's not just how you too can, can answer people's questions and, and destroy them with answers from the Bible that you know so well. It's so much more than that. There's a reason why these words are still here for us two millennia later. Because I'm not sure who needs to hear this. But this life is not it. I'm not sure if this is you. But if you're just living for this life, and your focus is just on the things of this world, accumulating things, your job, your family, your career, and that's all your focus is, is just the things of this world, you need to hear this. 
I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're struggling with the death of a loved one, and I'm not saying you, you, you shouldn't feel sadness or grief or pain over losing someone that you love, but if it's something you just is consuming you and overwhelming you, and it's just this sadness and this cloud that has just overcome your life and your thoughts and how you live, you need to hear this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but, it, but if you're afraid of death, if pandemics completely terrify you, if a sickness and an illness send you into a panic, if accidents and tragedies and violence in our world make you absolutely terrified, if the thought of dying is something that makes you feel afraid, you need to hear this. There is a resurrection. There is a resurrection from the dead. Now, you may have to face a physical death. This, this shell, this tent, as the Bible calls it, it may stop breathing at some point. Your heart may stop. Your brain may stop working. But that's not really you. You're not your body. You are your spirit. You are your soul. And though your body might face a physical death if Jesus doesn't come back first, you will never die. There really is no death for a Christian. You go on living forever. And these bodies themselves will be resurrected from the grave. They too will live again forever. There is a resurrection from the dead. There is the promise of life eternal. And that's, that's what Jesus has to say to you here this morning through his debate with the Sadducees. He says here to you, verse 36, No longer can they die, for they are like the angels. Now, you're not going to be an angel, despite a lot of popular beliefs out there. We don't become angels. Angels are created beings for a totally different purpose. Angels, humans don't become angels. But what it means that we will be like the angels is that we will be immortal like they are. We will be in holiness and sinlessness like they are. That you will no longer have to face death after a physical death. You will live forever, Jesus says. He goes on to say in second half of verse 36, he says, they are God's children since they are children of the resurrection. You are not children of this world. You are not children of the devil. You are not children of your sinful flesh. You are not children and you don't belong to anything but God. That is who you are. You are a child of God, which means you are a child of the resurrection. The promise for you, dear friends, is that you will be raised from the dead. This body will rise and Jesus goes all the way back to the Old Testament to prove it too. He says that 
This God is not the God of the dead, but he is the God of the living, for to him all are alive. God looks at you, and he sees someone who lives forever. God looks at you, and he does not just see someone who's dying and slowly decaying, which, yeah, your body is, isn't it? But, but he sees someone that he has already planned he was going to raise from the dead, that he's going to bring to himself. He is the God of the living, and that is you. Friends, what this means is that there's really no death for you. There's no death for you. And think about what that means. Think about what that means as you live your life in this world. It takes your eyes off of the things of this life to make you see and make you fully finally realize that this is not it. This is not heaven. This is not the end. This is not the goal. This is not where my focus is. Instead, my focus is on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think about what this means as you lose those you love. Those who die in faith, they're not really dead. Sure, their bodies might be in a casket. Yes, their ashes might be stored somewhere in an urn. But they live. They live right now. They live with God. And their bodies that, that you saw laying in a casket or that you, you know are in that urn, that, that body will be raised from the dead to live forever. You, who might be afraid of, of your own death, who maybe feel the effects of sin on your body and sickness on your body and know that that day might not be that far off. Think about what this means for you. You don't really die. Your body may stop functioning, but you go on to live forever. Friends, there is no death for the Christian. Death is dead. Because Jesus says. Because Jesus promises that you are a child of the resurrection. That you are a child of the living God who says you are alive forever. And so, we desire what Jesus says here. He says that we want to be considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead. That's our hope, right? That is our, our desire. We want to be counted worthy of that. We want to be considered worthy of, of that age to come, that eternal life. We want to be considered worthy of being resurrected from the dead. And friends, that worthiness has nothing to do with you. That worthiness that we are to consider is not anything that you do in this life. It's not trying your best. It's not being really good. It's not following all of God's laws, but you know how you're considered worthy of the age to come and of the resurrection of the dead? You're considered worthy in Christ alone. And the one who speaks these very words to you. 
And the very one who just a few days after speaking these very words would humbly and willingly and sacrificially and selflessly be nailed to a cross and suffer, suffer hell and suffer the punishment that you and I deserved to take death upon himself to defeat it for us so that he could say, it is finished, it is done, your sins are paid for. We are considered worthy of the age to come and of the resurrection from the dead because of that cross and his death there. But then also, that three days later, a stone was rolled back and his eyes opened again. And on his own two feet, walked out of a tomb to prove to you that death has really been defeated. To fulfill the words that he said earlier in John, that he is the resurrection and the life. That that anyone who believes in him never really dies. They live forever. We are considered worthy of the age to come and in the resurrection of the dead because of that death and that resurrection of Christ. That he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That because he rose from the dead, we can be assured that we too will rise from the dead in our bodies. That there is life after the grave for us. The promise that because he lives, we too shall live. And these truths, friends, that we are considered worthy not by us and what we do, but by what Christ has already accomplished for us. These truths that are already done, that the Holy Spirit comes through his means of grace to give us faith to believe and to strengthen us in these as we continue to hear that word and receive that sacrament. Friends, that's what helps us make make us look at this life differently. That this is not my home. That death is not the end. That there's more to live for than just the things of this life. But my eyes are focused on heaven. Friends, the fact and the truth that there is no death for us, that Jesus has defeated it for us, that we are considered worthy of the age to come and the resurrection of the dead, it doesn't take away that sadness and that pain of losing someone that we love. But those loved ones who have died in faith, then along with that pain and sadness brings us joy because we know where they are. We know that we didn't say goodbye forever. We know that we will be gathered with them before the throne of God in both body and soul one day. And that brings our hearts joy. Friends, as you think about your own death. It does not have to make you afraid. When you see what's going on in our world, when you get sick, when you go through cancer, when you go through a struggle in this life and it makes you think about your mortality, it drives us back to Jesus all the more. 
to the one who considers us worthy through his merits and his alone. That death cannot make us afraid. Instead, it's the way that we get to be with him forever, which is what we were created to be. If you've tried to debate God before, which if you're like me and every other Christian you have, God doesn't come back with these arguments to destroy you. And he, and he could. He did it with Job. Remember the story of Job, the man of suffering, right, who had nearly everything but his breath taken away from him in this life. And he questions God, God, what are you doing? What have I done to deserve this? And God says, who are you, Job? Who are you to question me? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, you, you better be quiet. And Job, Job quieted up real quickly. And he repented for questioning God. God could do that to you. But you know what God chooses to do instead when you choose to debate him and question him and doubt him? You know what he does? He comes and he overwhelms you with his love. He says, come on. Come with me. Let's go to the cross. Look at it. It's empty. And it's stained with blood, but that's innocent blood shed for you. Your sins are paid for. I'm not angry at you. Look at my love for you. Now come, let's go. Let's go to this tomb in the garden. Look in, what do you see? There's nothing in there? Exactly right. It's empty, but that means that you are filled with peace and hope and joy. Because that tomb is empty, yours will be someday too. When you want to debate God, he's going to come to you in his word and he's going to overwhelm you again with his love so that all we can do is stand back and say, wow, wow, God. No matter what, no matter what your past is, no matter what you might be going through in your present, you have a future. A future of life with him forever. Friends, death is not the end. Death is just the beginning. There is no death for you. In Christ Jesus, all are made alive. In Christ Jesus, we have the promise of hope and life eternal. May God continue to fill you with that hope that Christ has brought to you and brings to you and will fulfill to you. Amen.